welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Good morning, everyone. If we have not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Amanda, and I am the Youth and Connections Pastor here at Crosspoint, and I am so excited to join with you guys this morning. And for those who are not with us last week, that is A-OK, but we have started on a series in the book of Ruth. And I have to say it has been so awesome to study this book to see how even in a time when people did what was what they wanted and what was right in their own eyes, but to see how God was still at work in his people and in other people in hidden, maybe not so obvious ways. And so today on this side of history, we get to see the redeeming love that comes through the story of Ruth. And this morning we're taking a look at chapter two. And I would encourage you, um, if you haven't already, to go back and watch last week's sermon on chapter one. Pastor Delaney did a wonderful, wonderful job explaining that even in times when we have a laundry list of things we're frustrated at God about, he is still present. But as we look forward to chapter two, we can see that Ruth and Naomi are again center stage. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. And it's a weird situation, I have to say. So, before Ruth came into the picture, Naomi and her husband were living in Judah. And then there was a famine. And so to escape the famine, they went to Moab with their two sons. And while in Moab, Naomi's two sons married Moabite women. But then Naomi's husband died. Then her two sons died. So Naomi is now stuck with these two daughters-in-law. And Naomi told Ruth and the other daughter-in-law to go find new husbands because Naomi didn't have anything else to give. She had nothing else. She had no other sons to give. She wasn't probably going to get married because of her old age and give them new sons. But Ruth stuck by her side. Ruth remains loyal to Naomi even though she didn't have to. There is no reason for Ruth to remain loyal. But Ruth remained loyal and continued to show radical generosity. For many people put into this situation, I don't think we would have been as generous with our time and resources as we see here in chapter 2 of Ruth. The idea of radical generosity is all throughout Ruth chapter 2. And to be generous means the opposite of selfish. Showing a readiness to give of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. And to be radical means to hold extreme views and is often associated with the desire to have immediate, rapid social change. And so you put the two together, and radical generosity means to give us something in such an extreme way that is not expected or necessary of a person. But the question still remains. Who should be shown radical generosity? 
Well, if you have your Bible with me, whether it's a paper copy or a digital copy, I would encourage you now to open and flip to Ruth chapter 2. And we are starting in verse 1. Maybe. There we go. Now, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Almanac, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Now we have this interaction between Ruth and Naomi, and many of us would brush right past it as I did the first time reading it. But when Ruth looks at, when Naomi looks at Ruth and says, go, my daughter, a lot of us would imagine our mother saying, go, yes, go out and play, go find work, get out of the house, get out of my sight, like, go, like, it's time for you to go, like, you know, we, that, that's what we imagine. But in this way of saying go was actually a sign of Naomi's mental health, that she was so done with life, she had nothing left to give. Remember back to chapter one, Naomi's life had literally fallen apart. There seems to be no more good. And her daughter-in-law that is stuck by her side like unwanted sap from a tree. <laughs> Naomi was disinterested in life and can't even think about her own survival. But here Ruth takes the responsibility of showing radical generosity to those who don't deserve it. Ruth is a foreigner in this land, and the only person she's connected to is her mother-in-law. She has no legal obligation to her, yet Ruth still chooses to go out and get resources for the two of them. Even though, by Ruth going out, there is a great possibility of her to not be able to find work, there's, and there is a great de degree of danger for her to go out all by herself. Because who should we show radical generosity to? We know in theory that Naomi deserves it, but also, she hasn't done much to deserve it. She is stuck in her bitterness, grief, and despair. She wanted to leave Moab to return to Judah, her home, but this wasn't home for Ruth or her other daughter-in-law. Naomi was stuck in this bitterness and grief. I can't imagine she was a great travel buddy either. They would have walked between seven to 10 days as they traveled from Moab to Bethlehem. And I don't think it was filled with picture-perfect road stops and camel games. So if you know car games, camel games. Naomi had done everything to not deserve radical generosity, at least in my books. But then we get introduced to Boaz. Just his name is mentioned at first, and that's all we get from these introductory passages. The narrator explains who Boaz is, but it's not expanded upon to know if Ruth knows who he is. But Boaz's role is incredibly important. He is, the first, he is first of all described as a prominent rich man, wealthy and an influential man. The opposite of Ruth and Naomi, a foreigner and a widow. You see, Boaz is also the Goel to Naomi and Ruth. He is their kinsman redeemer. And the responsibilities of the Goel, which is the Hebrew word for kinsman redeemer, is to perform gulah. And you can't have one without the other. And to have gulah means to bring redemption and recovery. And you see this is outlined in Hebrew law in a few different ways. But the one here in Ruth is described to redeem or restore a clan widow facing old age alone without anyone to care for her. 
And that's what's going on in the Book of Ruth. There are many other examples of a gula to bring a, a, a guel to bring gula to um, a clan. However, here specifically in Ruth, it is to care or to redeem or restore a clan widow facing old age alone without anyone to care for them. Gula is the kinsman redeemer. We no longer have a word for it in English, but it is so important to understand the story and the relationship between Ruth and Boaz. Oftentimes, the idea of a guel is, to, is portrayed through Yahweh's redemption of the Israelites from Egypt. A person must be willing to go that far to rescue a kinsman redeemer. You accept a person and the clan as is and rescue them as is. The human goel carries out the redemption policy of the great goel, Yahweh himself. The human goel personally represents Yahweh in such transactions. Let me recap that for you because that was a lot of Hebrew there. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. He is the only one that can bring restoration to Naomi and through Naomi, Ruth. Without Boaz, there's a great chance that Naomi and Ruth would be hooped. They had no money no property, no way to provide for themselves. They, yes, there were laws to protect widows, but they would often be seen as a disgrace to, to their families and would await abuse and neglect by society. Because yes, there were laws, but people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And honestly, Boaz didn't have to be the kinsman redeemer. Naomi and Ruth had done nothing to earn it or deserve it. If anything, it's the opposite. They show up years later and expect someone to do something. They haven't earned it. But through all of this, Ruth was showing radical generosity to Naomi, even though she wasn't do doing anything to deserve it. At this point, Naomi hasn't even mentioned the kinsman redeemer to Ruth. They had no hope. Ruth had no way to look at Boaz and say, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. They couldn't do that. But if we think about it, this is what Jesus did as well. He showed radical generosity to those we don't think should have deserved it. One of his disciples was a tax collector. And back in the day, I'm sure people talked about it. I can just hear it now. Oh my gosh, did you hear that Jesus took in a tax collector as one of his disciples? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. That would never, oh, what a bunch of crazies. That would never happen nowadays. You can just hear it, right? Jesus shows radical generosity to those who we don't think deserve it. But at what metrics can we decide who gets ra Jesus's radical generosity? But Ruth and Boaz finally meet in the field that Ruth is gleaning in which happens to be Boaz's field. And Boaz is surprised by this Moabite woman who is caring for her mother-in-law and has already worked very hard. So let's continue reading in verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go out to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said, Why have you found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has finally 
fully, has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to the people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. This middle portion of chapter two is all about Boaz's interaction with Ruth, Ruth and the radical generosity that Boaz showed Ruth. He is showing radical generosity to someone who can't repay him. And we are to show radical generosity to those who can't repay us. As some of you know, I enjoy World War II history and World War II stories. I think they're fascinating and there's so many stories that we just don't know and will never be told. But one that really sticks out to me is of Carl Lutz, a Swiss diplomat in 1944. He was stationed in Budapest, Hungary. And at that time, the Nazis had come in and were starting to march at the Jewish people. And Lutz and his wife were able to create protective documents for those around them that they were able to save tens of thousands of people with these protective documents. Lutz took it one step further and ended up buying 72 different buildings where he was able to house these Jewish individuals, that they were able to provide food and medical attention as necessary. These people who received the radical generosity from Lutz could never repay him. And Lutz never expected this payment back. It wasn't a tally system, but he knew he needed to act, and this is what he did. Now, in this part of the story in the book of Ruth, there are a couple moving parts that once we tie them together, the story starts to make a little bit more sense. We need to remember that Ruth is a Moabite, an outsider, a foreigner, a woman. There is no way that Ruth could ever repay Boaz for the generosity that he is extending to her. But let me, under, let me explain this idea of gleaning. And this was a way for widows to have their needs met, as explained in Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22. That a widow could follow the workers of the harvest and pick up what was left behind, the second gathering of the harvest. This way of gleaning was for the poor, widows, and fatherless to have food and a way to prevent hoarding from the owners. It was a type of welfare system in Israel. This gleaning that Ruth was granted to do in Boaz's field was far beyond anything that she could ever repay. She is a foreigner that has no money and a foreigner from a disliked ethnic group to boot. But Boaz tells her to only glean in his field and he gives her the practical advice on how to stay safe and to stick close to his workers. Who is this man? This apparently random dude to Ruth, who has granted her the ability to, work, to glean, which means that Naomi and Ruth won't starve to death, and has granted her safety. And we see that she acknowledges it in verse 10. She falls down to say thank you. And this posture is used as a way to express gratitude. A radical generosity that Ruth knows she will never be able to repay. But Ruth is just there to accept her. But Boaz is there just to accept her. Now I have a little quiz for you guys. Keep you on your toes. Who remembers the Hebrew word that Pastor Delaney used last week? Anyone? I heard it, I heard it. 
Hesed, also, okay, your staff, you're her roommate. <laughs> but yes, the word was Hesed. Um, I was going to offer a chocolate bar, but some people beat me to it. So the word is Hesed, a promise-keeping loyalty motivated by deep personal care. And here in verse 11, while the word is not specifically used, Boaz recognizes in Ruth's life the hesed that is being done and that has been done. Boaz is seeing Ruth for her character and her actions and that both line up to match each other. Then we get to verse 12. And I have to say it's a really beautiful verse. But it's so interesting that Boaz prays that Ruth would be able to receive divine reward from Yahweh, the God of Israel. Boaz recognizes Ruth has sought refuge under his wings and that God will repay her for her actions to solely, to rely solely on God. As Ruth sits under the wings of God, she can get her strength from him. And with that strength, Ruth is able to serve Naomi, who will never be able to repay her back. It's this visual of a baby eagle sitting under its mother's wings, seeking refuge and protection. And an eagle is a symbol of power and in scripture, God's handiwork. I would highly, highly recommend if you ever have the chance to sit and just watch an eagle while they work. While they're a huge, majestic creature, they are yet so gentle and so kind. Boaz here in verse 12 is just an instrument from God telling Ruth of the great, great, greatness that she can expect because of her actions. And he is just showing the radical generosity that he has been shown by Yahweh. And we see this in the authors of the New Testament as well. I'll also all write about this, especially Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, it worked harder than any of them. But it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. That is solely by God that we are able to do the work we are able to do. Nothing from our own work. But the story continues. Boaz instructs Ruth to eat with his people and for the workers to drop extra grain for her to gather. There is no way for Ruth to repay Boaz at this point. She's able to go home to Naomi with enough grain to feed them for a week, if not longer. There is no material way for Ruth and Naomi to repay Boaz. When was the last time you showed radical generosity and you knew the person could never repay you back? Jesus did this numerous times to those he was in community with. All the healings he did, raising Lazarus from the grave. His family could never financially repay him for that, nor, they could, nor could they ever make it up to him. And can we just pause for a moment and talk about Jesus going to the cross on our behalf? as a substitute for you and me. We can never repay him. We can never earn what he did for us. It was radical generosity shown by Jesus that we can have a relationship with him, that there is no longer needed to have roadblocks along the way, but instead we can just come to him as is. So let's finish reading chapter two. So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what, the, what she had gleaned, and it, took, and it was about an Ephraim of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out, what, out 
she also brought out and gave her the food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness does not forsake the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to her daughter, daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you have that you go out with his young women, least in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So we know who Boaz is, because I explained at the beginning of the sermon who he is. Naomi would know who Boaz is, because he's her kinsman redeemer. But Ruth has no idea who he is. Got to remember that. Ruth has no idea who this man is. All she knows about Boaz up until this point is that he's a 10 out of 10. He's a wealthy man. He treats his servants with respect. He's kind to the foreigner. He knows Yahweh. And he goes above and beyond. But the question remains, why didn't Boaz say anything to Ruth about being the kinsman redeemer? because he knows who they are. He said at the beginning of their interaction, I know who you are, you Moabite woman, and you've been caring for your mother-in-law. He knows who they are. And as a woman in her mid-20s, who has gone on a few dates, my best guess is that just he didn't know how to communicate. <laughs> he communicated what he needed to, you know, be safe in the field, work, stick close to my workers, all that sort of stuff the hard things, you know, the, the important safety things, the important practical needed information things. And I've been in Ruth's situation where guys just communicate what is needed and nothing more. I think we should just be friends. Okay. Here's a cheesecake. A cheesecake? Yes, I think we should just be friends. Here's a cheesecake. I'm going to go now. You know, when Ruth left, she got enough grain to eat for a week. I got a cheesecake. I am lactose intolerant and gluten-free. I can eat the cheesecake. My father did, but I didn't. I think Boaz was just communicating what was needed. You know, or maybe Boaz just hadn't connected the dots. You know, the, I don't know how many other Moabite women would be there with their mother-in-laws, but, you know, maybe he was just, like, assuming there was many of them. I don't know. Or the more likely scenario was that he recognized that he wasn't the first kinsman redeemer. <gasps> what do you mean Boaz isn't the first kinsman redeemer, Amanda? Well, don't you worry. Pastor Micah and Pastor Jim will explain that fully in chapters 3 and 4 because it adds a little spice to the story. Or you, um, but the third example of how we are supposed to show radical generosity is to those who don't know the Lord and his plan. Maybe this is the baby Christian in your life 
Or maybe this is your best friend who's going through a hard season. The person who just doesn't have the energy to continue. As soon as Naomi heard that it was Boaz, she turned to Ruth in excitement. Her mourning turned to dancing. She was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, the tunnel that was filled with despair, tragedy, and grief. Naomi recognized that it was the Lord working in it it all. It was the Lord that had stopped the famine so they could return to Judah. It was the Lord that had bound Ruth and Naomi in love. It was the Lord that had led Ruth to Boaz's field. It was the Lord that had allowed Boaz to show grace to the foreigner. The Lord was in it all. There was no coincidence there. And Naomi was finally able to, uh, to begin to understand it all. Ruth didn't grow up learning the law, learning about Yahweh. She was married into this family and into this faith. Ruth came from a place where her God and their God was mean and scary. They couldn't have a personal relationship with him. Yet this does not disqualify her from knowing about the Lord and his plan. This means that she can take time to really learn about the Lord. And Naomi has extended radical generosity so that Ruth can know about who the Lord is and how he works. And I'm sure that there were further conversations that Ruth had with Naomi about filling in the blanks and knowing who the Lord really is. The Lord wasn't doing huge mountain-moving things. He was just there in the daily struggles. He was part of the everyday and the part that Ruth probably looked over. But Naomi was able to see the Lord's plan. And the really cool thing is that Jesus did that as well. He did his best to explain the Lord's plan and remember that Peter didn't like it at all. Jesus explained that he would need to die so that others can still have a relationship with God. And in these moments, I don't think we give the disciples enough credit. But Jesus took the time to explain the Lord's plan as he sat with his disciples and taught them, sometimes in ways that they didn't understand in the moment, but in ways they could eventually know. And this is what we've been called to do as well, to show people God and his wonderful plan, that even in times when it doesn't make sense, he's still right there. And I just want to take a moment to say that sometimes we can be in the shoes of Naomi or Ruth at the beginning of this chapter, unable to provide for ourselves and unable to show radical generosity. And if this is where you are, for whatever reason, know that it's okay. God is providing for you in ways that you may not be able to recognize right now. But he has a plan in motion for you in ways that you may not understand. And it might take a while to understand. And I don't mean this lighthearted because I've been on the side where I cannot show radical generosity, but having others show it to me is a blessing beyond I can understand. Yet Jesus continues to do this for us today. This isn't an Old Testament story where we can learn some great life lessons and plaster Bible verses on our walls. This is a continued demonstration of how God shows up even when it seems that people are doing what is right in their own eyes. God has gone beyond the bare minimum to redeem every single one of us. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. 
We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.